Hi, CNUSD EdChat listeners. In episode one, we hope you enjoyed the very first part of our interview with Pam Allen, at least as much as we did. But the conversation was so fantastic that there was entirely no way we could edit it all down. So in this episode, you'll find part two of our interview. And here, Anne-Marie will be talking with her about her book with Dr. Ernest Morell, Every Child a Super Reader. She also gives teachers and parents tips on how to best support young readers when reading independently. So let's listen in. And your most recent book, um, you partnered with Dr. Ernest Morrell. It's titled Every Child a Super Reader. Could you share with us what inspired you to write this book and what it means to be a super reader? Yeah, this book, I'm so happy about this book at this right time. Um, the book is really embodies the Lit World's core values, and Dr. Morell is on my board at Lit World, so he and I have been working together from the inception of Lit World. He's also the, prof- the Macy Professor for Urban Education at Teachers College, uh, Columbia University, and he's a very renowned researcher. So with my best practices on the ground and his amazing pedagogy and academic research, we said, let's really make the case for why literacy is a social, emotional learning journey. And so we lay out the core values of Lit World, what we call the seven strengths, Mm -hmm. um, and we build our literacy framework around those seven strengths. And then at the heart of the super reader concept is that we believe there's one major best practice. There are a few, but the one that we focus the most time on in the book is independent reading. Mm. And we talk about why that's so important and how we can make it more instructional and why it can't be pushed aside. Um, and the book is, you know, really taken on a life of its own. We now have a, Scholastic has set up a super reader community for us online that's just debuting this month. Okay. Yeah, and we're going to have super reader teachers. Um, teachers can join and get uh uh, badges and points and kids can join and get badges okay. and points and it's going to be really fun so the idea of okay. super reader is powerful mm-hmm. and, um, and, it, and we want parents to be part of this too so things that parents can do as well so it's, uh, it's kind of starting this whole movement really mm-hmm. you know who wants to be a super reader well who wouldn't want to be a super right, reader exactly so. And you mentioned something right now, so I really do want to just ask you this about um, independent reading time as being sort of the component of, you know, your your literacy framework. What might you say to somebody that would say, you know, maybe that we don't really see benefits when the students are independently reading. They're fake reading. They're, I, I see that maybe my instructional time would be better spent elsewhere. What would, you know, your response to teachers be that are tr- struggling really with that concept when they feel limited for time? Yeah, I mean, I think that independent reading definitely requires work. Um, it's I think when it's done where you're giving kids 20 minutes to read and they read, that there's nothing wrong with that at all. I, mean, I just think minutes are good. Mm-hmm. But independent reading, the way that we define it in Super Reader, is a practice. It's definitely an instructional practice. It should relate to the whole class curriculum. It should be very connected to the child's own development, reading development. So there's work to be done around pre- and post-assessment. Um, I think that we, what happens with independent reading is it's kind of easy for it to look easy, and I think then that confuses people because they say, 
well, this isn't really teaching. Right. But when you realize that the teacher's role during independent reading is assessment, the teacher's role is conferring, the teacher's role is to say, I'm going to do one-to-one or small group where I pull people together to say, where are we going next with this? Because we focus so much in the teaching of reading on the book titles, but actually that's not really how people read. I mean, you do remember, like I was saying, you know, Anne of Green Gables is a great book, but the whole of my reading life is much bigger than that one title. And so the independent reading work that we do with our kids is, uh, is, is challenging because we've got to do the one-to-one conferences. We've got to do that, that assessment work. And we've got to be constantly replenishing our library. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a big, it's a big deal. And I think that when teachers feel like what you described, a lot of the time it's because that there hasn't been enough work around the professional development. In fact, um, a lot of what Ernest and I are talking about now is how to make sure that we are offering professional development around independent reading so that we can make sure people do feel supported. Right. Because teachers will ask us questions like, you know, I've got some kids reading below a level here. I've mm-hmm. got kids really struggling. I've got, you know, I've got a few kids here reading like so fast I can't even keep up. Mm -hmm. And those are the kinds of questions that come into the professional development. And with the common core expectations of, you know, analyzing complex texts, um, what are some specific supports or strategies that you can offer to teachers to ensure that every student is being supported in a way that improves reading? And that might be what you sort of just were talking about as far as independent reading, but um, I'll let you, you know, speak to that. Well, I think maybe the biggest thing is the more we can personalize and customize the reading experience, the more that child is going to want to read and the better they're going to get. Um, and that, that's the challenge because it's, it's hard to do that. So um, the personalization piece is do we have book boxes or book baggies or online files for our kids as readers that they can point to that. If someone comes into the class and said, says, who are you as a reader? I can say, here's my, here is my collection this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that our kids feel like they may have a very diverse, eclectic collection. Like I said earlier, I may have People Magazine and Anna Karenina mm-hmm. in my book box, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that um, allowing for kids to be reading at different levels in, in a week's time mm-hmm. um, because you do read high and low all week you're kind of going up and down and that's part of it's kind of like I, I always compare it to exercise because you know I'm not running like a 5k every day mm-hmm. but my little bursts of runs every week will build my muscles for those 5ks so I think that's very important and I think that the thing about our kids at different levels is that the one-to-one conferring really does help because even the three to five minutes to sit with a child and say, what's going on? How can I help you? What's getting in your way? Kids do really know what's getting in their way. Mm -hmm. And if they may say, you know, I've just been reading like a slew of books that's too hard for me. We can back up, visit the classroom library together. Or a student might say, you know, I'm really, I mean, when I'm speaking English, it just feels so easy. But when I'm reading English as a language learner, I feel Spanish is my first language. And I, in my reading life, it doesn't feel so easy. Mm-hmm. We can sit and work together with that child to say, what will it take to make this more comfortable? Is it that we go down a level and just practice there to get our stamina up? 
Right. Or is it that we want to make, you know, make sure that we, there may be some online, you know, vocabulary banks mm-hmm. that we can create to make sure that you have a place to go when you're kind of in need of a little boost. So those are the kinds of conversations. I know it's very hard to make the time, but to say, even if I have a three to five minute conference with every child during the course of a week, and I know for our middle school teachers, that's harder, mm-hmm. much. But one of the great inventions of all time is Google Docs and, um, or something comparable to it where you can be in live time with your students online to say, how's your reading going today? I'm very happy with that, too. Okay. Um, so the more we can incorporate the use of technology into not necessarily always you have to read online, but how we're using online technologies to keep in touch with our students is, is really helpful and especially helpful for our struggling students. There was a, an article I read yesterday talking about really great note-taking apps mm-hmm. and they have all these new bells and whistles. Um, you know, Evernote is one great one, mm-hmm. but there are several other new ones that are amazing and they have the capacity for you to like write a little note to your student and then have them even write back where you know you can say um, how did your reading go today that's a very simple question but right. it gets you a lot of information okay so what advice can you give to teachers or students that you would like them to try tomorrow to try this week and to try this month wow that's good i like that <laughs> okay Tomorrow, mm-hmm. I would say to read aloud from a genre you haven't often read aloud from. So that would be tomorrow. Okay. This week would be to really push yourself to add minutes to independent reading time. So if you don't have it yet, try like five minutes a day. And then this month, I would say select a few kids that you're interested in knowing more about or maybe you're a little bit worried about them as readers and try to make sure that you do do a three to five minute conference with them without worrying what you're going to say just be a really good listener so those would be my three those sound completely doable and realistic (laughs) and practical so thank you so much do you have any advice just because i have you um and you spoke about families anything for families like what would you say that you want families to try this month well the other day i was giving a speech um to a family event and a grandmother came with her granddaughter and the mother so there was three generations of women there and little nissa was just five years old and uh, the grandmother raised her hand and said you know she has to do 15 minutes of reading a night but when she comes home with the books all she wants to do is browse really slowly through the pictures and linger and look at them. And I'm so worried because I know she has to get all this reading in. So I saw little Nissa just sitting there like, and I could just tell she was just praying, please, Mrs. Allen, like be on my team. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, Nissa is doing the right thing. She really is. And when she's at home with you and she's browsing and looking at those pictures, just really to support that and be a listener, be by her side Say, what are you thinking or what are you noticing? What are you wondering? Asking open-ended questions, not judging. If your child wants to reread a book, just really celebrate that. You have such an opportunity to be the chief celebrator, and, and that, would, that really makes the most impact on your kids. They, children tend to remember more what somebody, especially a parent, praised them for than what somebody was sort of trying to instruct them to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for us as parents to be accompanying our children on the journey to literacy by not necessarily instructing, but just being present 
And I think with Nissa, just all that in her, that lively mind of hers and that sparkle in her eyes, and I, the grandmother was just beaming at the end because she said, I'm so relieved that what me as a listener really does count. Yes. And I said, it really does. Like her telling you the story of that book or just telling you what she's noticing in the illustrations is going to do more for her literacy than anything that you could do. So I think it's really about encouraging parents to be the best they can be as parents be a deep listener, be your child's great cheerleader, be their advocate, and, um, and, and if you do spot a problem where you feel like your child's really struggling at home with the homework or with the reading, to write a note to the teacher, send a text message, don't hesitate, because you do have good instincts. So, and, and really take it back to the teacher. You don't have to be solving all the problems at home. So a great appreciative thank you to Pam Allen for taking the time to um, share your knowledge and love of literacy with us. And we just thank you for being a guest on CNUSD Ed Chat. Thank you for having me. You guys are awesome. And I love being with you. Again, thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit us on Facebook or Twitter or on our show notes page. And you'll find us at www.cnusd.k12.ca.us slash edchat. We would love to hear from you. Take care and we'll see you in our next episode. Bye. If you would like to comment on their podcast, go to cnusd.k12.ca.us slash edchat. And be sure to follow them on Twitter and Facebook at CNUSD EdChat to let them know which topics you are interested in. This episode is co-produced by Ivy Ewell Eldridge, Anne-Marie Cortez, Kim Kemmer, and myself, Kate Jackson, and is edited by Michael Hughes and Ivy Ewell Eldridge.